Today in school, I learned that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Learned my numbers, my colors, my blacks, my whites, my darks, my lights. Learn what can happen when you place enough dark children in one place at one time. You can fit an entire economy on their backs. Place a plantation in their schoolyard, bars in their windows, and label them state property. Today in school, I learned that 25% of the world's inmates are American, and 40% of those are dark, which I find quite ironic because, statistically counting, I know more cousins in college studying statistics and accounting than I can count cousins slaving in county. Hello and welcome to Just Talk, Educational Equity the podcast about social justice and how it relates to everything education. To lead off, we're listening to a spoken word performance by Grimm, also known as DeAndre Jackson Henderson, that you can see in a video posted on the National Education Association webpage, dedicated to today's topic, which is Black Lives Matter at school. Let's finish listening to the rest of Grimm's performance. Say in school, I learned that my textbook sounds like a gun range. Martin Luther Black, Malcolm Black, QEP Black Black. Today in school, I learned that my name sounds like a gunshot. Can't hold a black man's name, scream, body, or dream in your mouth without getting a bullet stuck in between your teeth. Learned the 13th Amendment, got a loophole that looked like a noose. Slavery is legal as long as it's used for a punishment, for a crime. Today in school, I learned that when you put the words black in student, Together in a prison sentence, it sounds like a felony. Sounds like 12 years slavery written entitled, show me your ID, son. Where you going this time of day? Shouldn't you be in school? Look an awful lot like your daddy, and your daddy's daddy, and his chalk outline, and his chalk outline, and his inmate number, and his concrete coffin. And today, in school, I learned that they'd rather fill up prison beds than classrooms. And the amount of African history taught in America is so small it can be ingrained on a single bullet and still blow your mind. Do you hear me? That is a powerful and frightening performance right there, isn't it? To, to say the least, it kind of hit me at that visceral level. I could feel his pain. Uh, I could see some of the things that he described in his poem, and uh, it just kind of leaves you in a, a place of in some respects, numbness, and in other respects, just anger. It really under underlines the necessity for us as educators to take seriously the experiences that our students are having in our schools. Yeah. And they need to be in a place of safety. They need to be in a place where their narratives and their identities are acknowledged and celebrated yeah. rather than where they feel threatened. And I guess one question I have is, how, how do we begin to change some of those narratives? It's not enough just to recognize uh, some of the narratives that are out there about um, people of the global majority, in particular uh, people of African heritage descent, but how do we start to really change those narratives and create that counter-narrative uh, that is out there, floating out there in the wider world? It's a good question and definitely something that we need to be intentional about as educators. That's one of the reasons that I'm excited about our topic for today because this movement, Black Lives Matter at School, is moving that question to the forefront of educators' thoughts and experiences and giving us a lot of resources to address yes, that question. I truly agree with that. In our previous episode of Just Talk, we were discussing Black History Month and looking at some of the problems inherent 
to that practice over the 40 years. Today's deep dive is about a movement that is taking Black History Month and turning the first week into one of action in classrooms and schools scattered across the country. That movement is Black Lives Matter at School. When I checked their website, um, I found a good description of what the the organization says about themselves. Um, Here is their self-explanation. Black Lives Matter at School is a national committee of educators organizing for racial justice in education. Last year, thousands of educators around the U.S. participated in teaching lessons about structural racism, intersectional black identities, black history and anti-racist movements during this nationally organized week of action. Educators in over 20 cities participated, including Seattle, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit, Boston, New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and more. Black Lives Matter at school started with three basic demands. Number one, in zero tolerance discipline. Number two, hire more black teachers. And number three, mandate black history and ethnic studies in K-12 through curriculum. I was so impressed when I first learned about Black Lives Matter at school that this is, an, is a movement and there are goals and there are actions that they're looking for. I know we have a guest who's going to tell us more, and so I'm going to get out of the way and uh, let you talk with our guest. Today we have a guest on the line who is involved with the National Committee of Black Lives Matter at School. He's here to talk to us about the movement. This is Ishmael Jimenez. Welcome to Just Talk. Uh, Greetings to you, sir. Uh, Glad to be here. And we're glad to have you, certainly. Uh, Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is your role in education and how you came to be involved in Black Lives Matter at school? Uh, Yes. Uh, Well, I teach in Philadelphia. I teach at a public high school called uh, Kensington uh, Kappa. Um, I've been a teacher about 10 years. Uh, Philadelphia has a mandatory African-American history graduation requirement, and actually I've been teaching that subject for the last 10 years. Um, so I'm heavily involved in activism around Philadelphia and just generally uh, uh, overall involved in conversations around racial justice and racism. Um, I also am an adjunct professor at LaSalle University, where I teach social studies methods uh, to inspiring teachers. Um, And I am co-chair of the Caucus of Working Educators, uh, the organization which is a caucus within uh, the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers that started Black Lives Matter Week uh, in Philadelphia in 2016. Wow, you are very busy persons. Thank you for making yeah. time to be here with us. Uh, very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Thank you. Um, how did this become a national movement? What was the journey, I guess? Well, it, it actually uh, didn't even, the week originated in Philadelphia, but we were inspired by the events in Seattle um, where uh, a student was told uh, not to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt, and in solidarity, teachers wore the shirt. Uh, all on the same day. And in Philadelphia, we looked at that and a couple of colleagues of, of mine and, and me at a meeting were like, I wonder what Black Lives Matter w- uh, would look like in Philadelphia. And we decided to kind of make it an academic aspect, like to look at the 13 principles, to teach people about the 13 principles, 
because it, before that point, many of us didn't know that Black Lives Matter movement even had 13 principles. Um, from that, we decided we should have events open to the community uh, in Philadelphia that would uh, create the space for people to have meaningful and authentic dialogue with one another about issues surrounding race and racism within the city. Uh, from that, it was a successful week in Philadelphia. Uh, we had over uh, 100 schools involved in Philadelphia out of 200. Um, and we presented it at a, a conference in Baltimore that summer uh, called Free Minds, Free People. And at this conference, uh, a teacher from New York who we loose, loosely knew from uh, just teacher activist networks uh, nationally uh, loved the presentation and then was like, why don't we do this nationally? She's like, I would do it. And then uh, another teacher who was in the session from Oakland is like, we would do it in Oakland. Uh, and then uh, Chicago, somebody from Chicago, and we're like, yeah, let's let's do this national. Um, so from that point forward, we kind of just stayed in communication throughout the summer. Um, and around uh, October, November, we started having Zoom calls and asking folks if they wanted to be involved from different cities and how we can get this endorsed by unions and also uh, school districts and even shared sample uh, resolutions with one another and uh, how we are doing it within our city. And, and they kind of modeled the way we did it from our week in Philadelphia, where they had community events and also encouraged teachers to teach Black Lives Matter in school. And we even uh, created the national logo, uh, Black Lives Matter Week, where it was a student competition. And uh, a Vietnamese immigrant student from the school I teach at actually won the competition uh, for the Black Lives Matter logo. So it became a real true endeavor and uh, it spread. It just spread like wildfire. Wow, very impressive. Um, actually, my co-host is wearing one of your T-shirts now, and I asked her earlier, yeah. how could I get one? So I'll have to make that investment. You spoke about yeah. 13 principles. Can you speak about some of those principles? Yes, definitely. Um, so a black women uh, was a major principle, so we usually have events that are associated with uh, highlighting issues along misogyny and also kind of the uh, danger of the single narrative about black women. Um, we also uh, do events around uh, building the village. Uh, so building the village, we would have uh, conversations about how we can pull our collective resources together to actually envision uh, a different alternative narrative to what our, our storyline is for ourselves and our communities. Um, another one would be uh, for the LGBTQ com community and affirming them. Um, especially students who feel isolated. So we have uh, usually panels and discussions. The last, this is our third year, so we're doing the same thing uh, around that issue and just uh, lift, uplifting their voices. Um, another aspect is unapologetically black, um, and that's where we try to highlight folks who are actually doing some real work in the city and have conversations uh, on a deeper level about what it means to be black and how it's not a single story. Um, the idea of a global village uh, we tried to bring in some pan-Africanist elements and have uh, deeper conversations about how the struggle against white supremacy and racism is just not limited to the United States, but extends all over the world. So those are just like some of the few examples for some of the principles. Um, since we only do it within a five to seven day period, we kind of combine some principles and kind of highlight them together. So like a global village and kind of like the idea of the family as a village, we sometimes put together and then have a larger conversation about what that means. But all the events that we've done from these principles are really rooted within it. And then we 
have lesson uh, plans submitted from teachers all over the country uh, that we curate and also attach individually to each principal. And they range from pre-K all the way up to the post-secondary level. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Where do you see this movement going? Um, You know, what are your next steps? Certainly, it's a movement. I I hear that. But what what are your next steps? Well, uh, I, I think I think it's not gonna it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's here to stay right now. Uh, I think until we can have honest conversations about race and racism within our society, there's going to be a need for something like Black Lives Matter Week in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a permanent feature until we start chipping away. And and this is part of that process of chipping it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this year we've got more cities. We're starting to get southern. Uh, uh, cities involved, uh, like places like Nashville, places like in uh, Florida, Broward County. So, like, we're reaching out to folks, kind of extend it larger, but also it's tied to a deeper idea of how collectively as educators we have a responsibility of passing this on to the next generation and this knowledge. Um, so, right now, I don't see it going anywhere. And our next steps is to really just uplift this upcoming week, uh, kind of show the, show the world. And hopefully it extends to the world um, what Black Lives Matter actually means in a deeper sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's, it's here to stay. Great. That's good to hear. We have to definitely get you here to uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I'm sure that yeah. uh, some work is being done in some of the schools, but uh, certainly we can uh, uh, expand what you're doing in the yeah. schools. And it's much needed in this region. So hope to talk with you further about that. When... Um, we do a lot of work on this end around looking at black lives. And I guess one question that I have for you is the question around resistance versus struggle. Uh, that seems to come up a lot. There are individuals that always want to talk about all lives matter or blue lives matter. And certainly we want, we don't want to deny that. However, when we yeah. say black lives matter, there's another message behind that. And sometimes it's around resistance, and other times it's around struggle. Can you speak about how you differentiate between the two, or what does that mean for you? Well, uh, number one, in America, without uh, black people struggling for rights and human dignity, we wouldn't know what even certain notions of freedom actually is. And uh, I think I I operate straight from that premise, Uh, the centrality of race and racism within this society from its very beginning of racialized exploitation. You know, they had to develop a system. They, they, you know, come from a system of slavery and that was specifically, uh, based on race. So the people that came, that resisted that, that maintained kind of that, that, that human dignity in the face of dehumanization is speaks to everybody. It speaks to the human condition, but specifically the identity that, you know, was created from that, which is specifically, uh, you know, what we would call black folks, um, is an extension of that. And in order for us to move forward in struggle in our society uh, for uh, human dignity and human rights for all, we have to start from that premise. Because no other group within this society, from the very beginning of this society, struggled and resisted like black people did for rights, and those rights weren't just for black people, it was for everybody. Hmm. And Black Lives Matter, I think, reflects that and centralizes that so folks don't lose 
that central piece that that I would even say that foundational counter narrative that allows us and inspires us to actually move forward for all people. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So that's what it means to me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you. So if a community wanted to get involved, schools wanted to get involved, how do they go about that? Uh, We have a website, a national website. It's uh, www.blacklivesmatteratschool.com. And on there, uh, there's email links for us, so you can get involved in your local city if you if it's the first time you're hearing about it and you're interested. Um, you can also uh, purchase the T-shirt from uh, the website and contact and look at examples of what other folks are doing in other cities if you just want to take the initiative and do something on your own, even if it's small. Some cities on that first national uh, last year actually only did one or two events in their city, uh, but this year they're doing five. So it's it's just a perfect example of just starting that process. Even if you're just a single teacher in the school and you're the, you feel like you're on the island, um, you can actually gain access to those uh, resources uh, through our Google Drive folder that we have created of lesson plans, like I said, from across the nation. Um, and we also have uh, a starter kit uh, for folks for tips for folks how if they want to start in their local. And there's also the um, FAQ that we did if you run into problems in your area for doing Black Lives Matter uh, and ways to respond to people when they come with you about All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, uh, how to respond and and how to centralize uh, the conversation. Great, great. So a few other questions. Um, What are you reading right now or listening to that uh, informs your journey and your work that uh, you we might want to tune into or we might want to read. I just actually, and uh, thank you for asking this. Um, I just finished uh, James Cone's uh, last memoir called, I wasn't going to tell nobody. And James Cone was the uh, theologian who uh, wrote black liberation theology in the late sixties. Um, but he also wrote uh, books like God of the oppressed. And then one of his best books I've ever, best books I've ever read about Martin and Malcolm was called Martin Malcolm in America, The Dream or the Nightmare, where he actually talks about the theological development of both Malcolm and Martin and how they overlap towards the end of their lives. Um, so it was, a, it was a pleasure to find that find out that before he passed, he finished his uh, memoir. Um, and I just finished it, and it was very just like insightful in his own uh, spiritual journey and uh, the importance of kind of centering life over our, even ourselves and how important it is to, you know, put your life on the, uh, on the line. I'm also reading, uh, the, I, I just started reading the autobiography of Father Paul Washington, who was a uh, pastor in Philadelphia at uh, the, the famous church, Church of the Advocate, mm-hmm. who was there when uh, hosting the Black Power uh, conferences in the 1970s, even getting scuffed, um, and also other movements um, for the Black Panthers and everything that he would host in his church that he caught a lot of flack for. So right now I'm just trying to, you know, how are people going through their spiritual journey? Um, How do they remain resilient and committed to the cause of uh, human dignity and human rights in the face of adversity? Uh, And in his his spot, uh, you know, uh, hostile world that we live in. So. Great, great. I guess one and one last question. I said that before, but one last question is: uh, We work a lot of with middle school students, and is there some literature that you would recommend for some liter from middle school students, or 
some of those books, um, I don't know. We could probably use those with, with middle school, but... Yeah. Yes, uh, some of those books, um, you might text uh, excerpts and everything. Okay. Um, to, uh, for the most part, there are a, a lot of middle school uh, books, you know, books made for middle school students are actually somewhat problematic um, because they reinforce this uh, narrative of racial progress uh, despite kind of like structures remaining still intact. You know, all you have to do is just go listen to King's final speeches uh, the last year of his life and see that very little has changed when it comes to conversations of race within the society. And a lot of those books uh, for the middle school age kind of reinforce this idea, oh, like, we're all good. Let's let's get along. Let's have a colorblind society. Um, and one book I can speak specifically on that I just read that's highly problematic, and I'm saying don't read it or read this, but read it with a critical eye, is called Ghost Boys. And it was selected as the, uh, one book here in Philadelphia um, but it is really bad. It's a story about a, uh, a 12-year-old boy who's shot by a police officer, um, and then he comes back as a ghost, and then he's attached to the white police officer's daughter in order to show her the importance of like uh, uh, caring about others. And uh, it's a very simplistic story that she throws in the ghost of Emmett Till, um, leads totally a racist black woman from the narrative. So like these are examples of like, kind of these types of uh, books putting out to middle school. So I strongly suggest to introduce middle school children to uh, texts that are a little bit more complex, a little bit more nuanced, because I, I know for a fact that they're capable of understanding them at that level. You might have to chunk it more, you might have to scaffold it more, but they, they can grasp it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. And especially for the, yeah. uh, we need that list of books of to be aware of because many of those yeah. books are floating in our schools and we meet, yeah. need to be able to address, you know, why are they in their schools and what are you teaching about those books and to create a counter narrative of what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Well, sir, we certainly appreciate your time and great insights into the Black Lives Movement uh, at school. And we will definitely be in contact with you. Okay. Thank you so much, and have a great day. You too, sir. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Nice job with that interview, Tony. Um, Ishmael is really something. Yes, I was really pleased with that interview. Lots of information. Uh, hopefully, we can get a number of schools, a lot of schools and school districts, to tune in and to really um, get this moving here in St. Louis. Seemed like we're a little behind. Oh, it's true. I mean, uh, certainly our region needs to continue to work. At the same time, it is so inspiring to hear from a leader like this and his uh, the depth of thought that he brings to this issue, his the way that he talked about the resources that he was looking for and that he recognizes the spiritual complexity of being involved in, in a movement and and bringing that to other people, you know, I could just sort of see this multi-layered approach to living out this story. I like the resources, especially the one book that he mentioned. I'd heard of the book. Uh, I wasn't going to tell nobody. I just haven't read it. So I guess it goes to the top of my list right now. 
and I'm going to read that. I also thought it was good that he brought up books that we should be aware of that are somewhat circulating in our schools, and we just need to check in and see what's being taught or uh, what's on the uh, list of reading for students and maybe have a conversation with some of the schools that are reading some books that are not necessarily healthy for our students. You know, this is a common problem, I think, and um, people want to take a simplistic approach to issues of racism and uh, in particular at that age level. And I don't know if people are worried about overloading young younger folks with issues that continue to be ongoing struggles, but these struggles are real and... Right. I, you know, I would like to have a conversation with the author to see what he or she was thinking about in writing a, a book of that type. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have not read it, and so I can't speak to it, but I right. do appreciate the comments that Ishmael made about it, and um, it does make me curious about, and, about schools and, you know, how are you... I guess not not reading with a critical eye. Right. We just don't always read with a critical eye. So This has been Tony Neal, your host. And Deborah Bowman, today's guest host and podcast producer and director. Bringing you Just Talk, Educational Equity. Special thanks to go out to our guests, Ishmael Jimenez of Black Lives Matter at School, for spending some time with us today. We appreciate that you joined us for this episode and invite you to share your comments, questions, and suggestions on our website at eec, the number four, justice.com, and leave us an email there on our contact page. We're looking for student writing on social justice topics to include in each episode, so contact us at the website if you have an interest in contributing. You can also see video of today's writer reading their piece along with the links of Black Lives Matter at School and the National Education Association's related resource page. That's EEC, the number four, justice.com. Or just go directly to those websites by entering the term Black Lives Matter at School in your search line. Also, and this is important, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please find us on iTunes and leave us a rating. You can help other people find us that way, and we really appreciate your support. In our next episode, episode four, we will be looking at the need for trauma-sensitive schools and practices in education. We have guests lined up, including students, to lead us in exploring that topic. So we hope you'll join us. Just Talk has been brought to you by Educational Equity Consultants, a company that provides training to build the capacity of individuals, schools, and other organizations to address racism in ways that enable all people to reclaim their inherent intelligence and nobility. Recording, editing, music, and logo provided by Alvin Zamudio. So if you're a teacher or a school leader, a student, a parent, or a community member concerned about social justice, please remember, just, just talk. talk.